Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. We all remember the promise, right? Canada is back on the world stage, baby. Canada's back. Justin Trudeau's in charge, and he's not going to embarrass Canada on the world stage. Not like mean Steve Harper, the guy that the whole world looked to to try and help the world through the, the 2008 recession. Do you remember when it was the triumvirate of Stephen Harper, Mark Carney, and Jim Flaherty that were heading up committees of the G20? that everyone was looking to, and the liberals hated that. They did not want conservatives getting any credit for doing anything good on the world stage. So they campaigned in the last election saying, Canada is back. And that's what they said when they won. Canada's back. We are so good. Well, Canada's not back. I'm seeing people sign in from the West Coast. Hello, Elizabeth. Hello. And the West Coast, John in Sherbrooke, Quebec. Uh, we're broadcasting, as usual, uh, every time we can, the opening of the show on Facebook.com or Facebook Live. And uh, great to see people from across the country join in. Let me just tell you, before we get into the rest of my opening on Justin Trudeau embarrassing Canada on the world stage, Labrador, Alliston, Ontario. Hey, guys, welcome. Join us for the rest of the show. You can listen live at CFRA.com or on the iHeartRadio app. Because you're not getting talk radio like this anywhere else that you live. Let me tell you. Justin Trudeau, though, embarrassing Canada. Are you hearing about that? Are you being told about that? He promised Canada was back. We were getting respect on the world stage. And then, let's see, he went to Vietnam for the Asian Pacific Conference. He embarrassed Canada in front of all our Trans-Pacific Partnership allies. Why? He pulled out of a signing ceremony for the TPP minutes before it was going to happen. Why? He wanted to go and meet with the, the chief operating officer of Facebook, Cheryl Sandberg. That's, that's all, you know. Hey, we got 11 other countries here waiting to sign a trade deal. Let's, let's go meet with the person from Facebook. I like Facebook. People like me on Facebook. They give me the thumbs up. Yay. I'm thinking that was his mental thought process as he went through that. So he annoyed all the allies there. Canada's back. Then he went to China and he thought he was going to get a great deal. Instead, he got the back of the hand from the Chinese. Why? Because Canada's back. Then he went to India with his tickle trunk of clothes and annoyed the Indians who said, you're too Indian for an Indian. Like, these clothes are embarrassing. We don't dress like that. Not even in a Bollywood movie do folks dress the way you are. But hey, Canada's back, by the way, got snubbed by Prime Minister Modi. Then we got slapped with a a, a, a a new tariff on our agricultural exports to India when we got back. So, But don't worry, Canada's back. Now we're insulting yet another ally. Belgium may not be a huge country, but remember this. The king and queen of Belgium are on a tour of Canada why? To mark the 100th anniversary of Canada helping to liberate Belgium. From who? The Germans. And what do we do? Rideau Hall. This is not the PMO, by the way. This is Rideau Hall. They've got a Canadian and 
German flag up instead of a Canadian and Belgian flag. If you're in the nation's capital and you're driving around downtown, you'll notice there are Belgian flags up all over the place. On the ceremonial route, Confederation route, when there's a foreign dignitary visiting, they alternate. Canadian flag, foreign government flag. That's what they do. And on most of them, they got it right. But at Rideau Hall, they show up for a tree planting, and there's a Canadian and a German flag. They're here to mark the 100th anniversary of us liberating them from the Germans. When... uh. This was noticed quickly by a Belgian journalist who was on with Bill Carroll on the Morning Rush today. Uh, Wim de Hanschuter is a reporter there, and he's been taking a, a lighthearted look at this and reporting on it back in Belgium. And even though he's being fairly lighthearted about it, he's still pointing out this never should have happened in Canada. I think you have Google here in uh, Canada, so you can uh, check if the Belgian flag is the right one. So uh, there's no reason to, or you can't explain that this, uh, this, that this went wrong. Uh. I think you have Google here in Canada. Google. That's rather biting comment. I know he's, he's trying to play it up as if, as if it's no big deal. But when a foreign reporter is saying, I think you got Google, you can check what our flag is and not get it wrong. You know, we're still, and it was brought up the other day before this happened. I saw it on Sports Center. They were complaining again from 1992 when the Americans flew our flag upside down in the World Series. And we put up a German one for the King and Queen here to mark the 100th anniversary of Canada liberating them from the Germans. Great. Not only that, our Prime Minister is not even there. He's not even there in Canada. Belgium's deputy prime minister, Dieter Reinders, is left trying to, you know, side shoe and soft shoe and sidestep this and make it like it's no big deal, not a snub at all. It's all the time better to have a contact with the prime minister, of course. It's better to have prime minister. You know, he would have liked to have had prime uh, contact with the prime minister. But Belgium's deputy prime minister, Dieter Reinders, says... He understands Trudeau had something to do. As a politician, I fully understand that this may be a priority to be very close to the workers, very close to the different people involved in the steel industry and aluminium, then to organize a contact during a state visit. Very nice of Mr. Reinder to say that this is because of the steel and the aluminum visit, but it turns out even the Belgians knew long before Trudeau, well, before he went on his tour, long before they showed up, that Trudeau wasn't going to be there. Again, back to Wim DeHunt on with Bill Carroll this morning, saying they knew that he wasn't coming because he was going to be on vacation. Um, we heard stories about uh, Trudeau being in uh, Florida, coming back to uh, Canada yesterday, but not for our king, but for um, for the problems with the, the, the steel uh, tax and so on. So uh, we, we wrote about it. That's true. So I didn't even know that. The Belgians are telling us that Trudeau was in Florida and came back. He's on another family vacation. He's probably going back there. Let's see what his itinerary is for tomorrow. Just pulling that up now. No, he's in Sault Ste. Marie. So he's not going back with the wife and kids to Florida just yet. He is in the Sioux and then off to Regina. You know what I'm noticing about all these places that he's going? I'll have to check on the Sioux. But he was in Jean-Pierre. He was off doing this, this steel and aluminum tour. And he's just going to places where liberals have seats or can get seats. He was in Jean-Pierre, 
they stole a seat from the conservatives there. Then he went to Hamilton. They have some seats there, and they're worried about losing them to the NDP in the next election. So he went to Hamilton. He's going to be in Regina, where Ralph Goodale is desperate to hang on to his seat. And he's going to be in uh, the Sioux. I honestly can't remember who the MP for the Sioux is. If there's anyone from the Sioux watching, please leave a comment. Let us know. But in all of this, you would think he would at least make some time for the Belgian royal family and the huge delegation they've got. Wim de Hanschutter says this is the seventh state visit that he's been on with his king and queen. And he's a little bit surprised that the prime minister of Canada isn't even making a, a, a slight effort to meet with them. Well, um, we were surprised as journalists that the Prime Minister was not um, uh, taking part to this uh, state visit. Uh, our King, King uh, Philip of Belgium, he already paid state visits to six countries the past years. And at every country, uh, the Prime Minister was uh, taking, uh, taking part uh, at the state visit. And Canada is the first country, the first of seven countries, where uh, your uh, Prime Minister is uh, not in the state visit. The first of seven countries. The first of seven countries where the prime minister is not taking part in this. Huh. Interesting. It's not just the Belgian king and queen that are here, by the way. It is also more than 100 business people looking to sign contracts with Canada, looking to get business going with Canada. We've just signed the European Free Trade Agreement. You think that might be of interest to Trudeau? They've also brought over <coughs> officials from, he said, he might be exaggerating a little bit here, but all the universities, all the universities are represented. So you've got opportunities for academic exchange. You've got opportunities for business to be conducted. Now, he's, he was going on another, another vacation until Donald Trump announced these tax, uh, these tariffs on steel and aluminum. And then suddenly he's going on a We Love You tour of writings important to the liberals. Let me ask you what he's actually accomplishing on this Please Love Me tour with the steel and aluminum industries. What is he accomplishing with this? Is he stopping the tariffs from coming in? He could, he says, well, I'm here to tell you that we have your back. He could have done that with one trip to an aluminum factory or smelter and one trip to a, a steel plant. Instead, he's got to go to all the ones that are important to liberal votes and only the ones that are important to liberal votes. He won't be going to any in conservative or NDP or block writings unless he thinks he can steal them away. But all he's doing are photo ops and tours and roundtables, which is what he knows how to do. When his time would be much better spent, the time of his top advisors that are traveling with him would be much better spent actually working the phones or going to Washington to press the flesh with people and say, here's why you need to make sure this doesn't happen. Here's why you need to make sure that Canada is not crushed by this. Now give Justin Trudeau credit. He he pulled a page out of Stephen Harper's book yesterday and was all over American media, including business media, making the case. Stephen Harper did that many years ago. One of his top advisors said uh, they had to pay some American PR team to help them get on all those spots, and it was the best money they ever spent because the return was so huge. 
So kudos to Justin Trudeau for doing that. But the rest of this tour makes zero sense beyond he can get votes there. He can get votes in each of these ridings, but you know where he can't get votes? From the Belgians. And there's not a big enough Belgian diaspora here. There's not enough people from Brussels living in the suburbs of Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver for it to make him worth his while. Because if there was, he'd be doing an eight-day tour of Belgium with different color-matched outfits with his wife and children every day. Instead, he was off in Florida until he figured out the polls are slumping and we need to get out there. I know that politicians are always about the votes. I know that that's true of every politician if they want to stay in power. But this is my fourth prime minister that I've covered. I've obviously lived longer than four prime ministers, but I've been covering Parliament Hill over the course of four different prime ministers. This guy takes that to a new level. He is worse than all of them combined at thinking about the votes because to him, that's all that he thinks about. He doesn't think about what's right for the country. He doesn't think about what's right for statecraft or diplomacy, obviously. And so he's insulted another one of our allies, and he only shortened his vacation to try and score the votes of people in certain key industries. I can't wait for 2019. I don't know about you. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Uh, Stick around for the rest of the show. You can listen at CFRA.com. You can listen on the iHeartRadio app. If you've already downloaded iHeart, make sure that you've downloaded iHeartRadio 2.0. Far better app. Delete the old one. Download the new one. And it is a great way to listen to radio no matter where you are. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back in moments. Remember, he's on your side. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. May I have your attention, please? Brian Lilly's Five Things You Need to Know. Number one story you need to know. Doug Ford is running as a conservative in the Ontario provincial election. You heard him on with me last night, and he has been doing nonstop media rounds, making sure people get a chance to know who he is, because let's face it, the election is on. So he was on with Bill yesterday morning. He was on with me last night. Today he was on with Evan Solomon, and he was asked about pot, and he said he doesn't believe in government monopolies. Doesn't believe in government monopolies, so doesn't he thinks there should be a free market to sell pot in free market stores, which, by the way, they're doing in Alberta. They plan on doing that in Saskatchewan and I think British Columbia, all of which also have private sale of alcohol. We've got a really weird mixed system here. Well, Ford said the LCBO should also be able to, uh, other retailers should be able to fully compete, not just the ones the government favors. Do you think it's fair that we just handpick a couple stores and let them do it instead of let everyone do it? It's unfair. Uh, competition to other retailers. Yeah, well, it's a good point. Right now, you've got to go through this big application process, and it is arduous. It is a bizarre process across the river. 
They've got free market access. They're able to do it. They still have the government liquor store, as they do in most provinces other than Alberta. And yet, there's no problems over in Quebec. But Smokey Thomas, head of the Ontario Public Service Employees Union, he just says it's a dumb idea. Going to be blunt, that's stupid. Every expert in the field of addictions, harm reduction, public safety, has applauded and come to around to to believe that and say that the win Kathleen Wynn got it right. And I'd look forward to the opportunity to try and convince them otherwise. Translation, Smokey Thomas says, help my members keep their jobs. All the experts that agree with me are the only ones that I will listen to. But, hey, the takeaway, Doug Ford running as a conservative and not afraid to run as a conservative. Bravo. It's one of the reasons I think he'll win. Story number two that you need to know. The head of Britain's counterterrorism police say they don't have a person of interest yet in the investigation into this chemical attack. And this is real Cold War stuff going on. The, the chemical agent that was used on a, a former Russian spy and his, doctor, or his daughter, uh, Deputy Chief Commissioner Neil Basu, believes the investigation is going to continue for many weeks and he's asking the public for more information. We are exploring all investigative avenues. This includes extensive CCTV footage from across the city and over 380 exhibits so far. Uh, the British government's taking this very seriously. Theresa May giving uh, the Russians until Wednesday, which it's already Wednesday in the UK, to actually give a plausible answer. As to their involvement, she announced in the House of Commons yesterday she believes the Russians are involved. And as I said, they're taking it very seriously. Sergei Skripal, the former Russian spy that defected over to the Brits, he is a British citizen which raises the stakes on this for the Brits all the more. We'll talk to Professor Elliot Tepper from the Norman Patterson School of uh, International Affairs at Carleton just after 8 o'clock. He's got a fantastic take on this. You'll want to hear that. This is getting into James Bond territory. Uh, Story number three, Rick Tillerson fired as head of the State Department. He was Secretary of State for Donald Trump for 14 months, the former CEO of Exxon fired today. CIA Director Mike Pompeo is going to take over. Trump says he and Tillerson had been talking about this for a long time. Rex and I have been talking about this for a long time. Uh, we we got along actually quite well, but we disagreed on things. When you look at uh, the Iran deal, I think it's terrible. I guess he it was okay. I wanted to either break it or do something, and he felt a little bit differently. Well, if you're going to serve the president, you better be on board with them. It's the same thing in our government system. That simply wouldn't stand. And story number four, we got the flags wrong. Just told you about that. Belgian journalist Wim de Hanschutter saying Canada never should have messed this up. There was an easy way to check. I think you have Google here in Canada, so you can check if the Belgian flag is the right one. So uh, there's no reason to, or you can't explain that this, uh, this, that this went wrong uh, no, no, you can't, other than uh, this government's in trouble and insulting allies all over the place. And story number five, more meat for me and you. A new survey shows that younger Canadians are far more likely to consider themselves vegetarians or vegans than the older generation. This from Sylvain Charlebois, a guy who appears regularly on this program. 7.1% of Canadians consider themselves vegetarians. 2.3% consider themselves vegan. 
Uh, the survey showed people under the age of 35 three times more likely to consider themselves in one of those two categories than people 49 or older. I'm right in the middle, and I am clearly a carnivore. More meat for me? Not a bad thing. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. When we come back, James Wallace, editor-in-chief at the Toronto Sun, is going to join us. He says Kathleen wins line. I'll play tape of her line on this radio station earlier today when we come back. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Follow the outrage on Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. All of the candidates moved uh, moved to this position of not tackling climate change and therefore cutting government across uh, across the board. I think. What the hell is she talking about? That was Kathleen Wynne asked for her reaction to Doug Ford winning the Ontario PC leadership race. And she said it didn't matter who won. I, I just want to play that clip for you again quickly. All of the candidates moved... Uh, moved to this position of not tackling climate change and therefore cutting government across uh, across the board. I think that, ladies and gentlemen, is a grade one lie, and it's what we can expect from Kathleen Wynne throughout the campaign. The candidate doesn't agree with me, therefore they have nothing to say about the issue. The candidate will not do cap and trade, or won't do a carbon tax, therefore they're against the planet, and they're going to cut jobs everywhere. You want to hear her get into specifics. Here's another clip from her appearance on Ottawa Now earlier today where she is going to use fear-mongering to scare voters that these job cuts are going to mean no services for you and Granny's going to be in a snowbank. I'm talking about whether they can find long-term care for their loved one, their elder, elderly parent or grandparent, and I'm talking about whether uh, families with kids with mental health challenges can find the services that they need. I listened to the whole interview. I'm not sure what word she said that was true other than hello and Evan. I'm not the only one noticing that Kathleen Wynne's lying a lot because James Wallace has a PC in the um, Toronto Sun today and the Ottawa Sun as well that is a must read. I'll make sure that I tweet it out. He's the vice president of editorial for uh, the Sun newspapers in Canada and joins me on the line now from Toronto. James, thanks for the time. Thanks for having me, Brian. You're looking at different lies than I am, but bottom line is this is going to be a campaign where Kathleen Wynne says what she wants and can get away with it because people aren't going to call her on it. Well, um, I, I hope that we can. Um, you know, what uh, what she tweeted out on the weekend was just an absolute crock. She made a, uh, a, a connection between the uh, conservative opposition to uh, carbon taxes and and imaginary, as it turns out, um, uh, cuts to uh, civil service jobs, the tune of 40,000 jobs, and uh, 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 higher class sizes, uh, health care chaos, and, and community supports. So she's, she's lumped all of you know, these bad things that may happen uh, to a policy and misrepresented uh, what the Conservatives are actually saying and doing. All right, I want to read the, the tweet in question out to you. 
and, and to the listeners. And then I want you to explain where she got this information and how she's absolutely misconstruing the source material. She said the Conservatives' plan to kill carbon pricing and rush to balance the budget will put as many as 40,000 public sector jobs at risk. That means higher class sizes, longer waits for health care, and fewer community supports. Uh, how much longer are we going to wait on health care? I mean, we've got hall- hallway health care right now, and she's the defender of this system. It's a little bit bizarre, but where does she pull this 40,000 jobs number out of? Because it's not out of a hat. So this comes from an opinion column in McLean's magazine. It was written by a professor at Western University at the business school there. He's also a director at Canada 2020, which is a left-wing progressive think tank that McLean's itself has um, uh, suggested has a symbiotic relationship with the Liberal Party and the Trudeau government. Symbiotic as in all the heads of it go on vacation to the Aga Khan's island with the Prime Minister? (laughs) That's one. That uh, might be something to do with it? (laughs) That might have something to do with it. Um, uh, And and this professor actually did something that's not entirely unreasonable. He, He took a stab at guessing how the Conservatives would pay for their promise to oppose federal carbon taxes. And that's potentially a $4 billion hole in the platform. But his assumption, you know, he, he was also clear in his assumptions, which were that the Tories would make up any carbon tax revenue shortfall through spending cuts rather than running a deficit. So he wasn't trying to predict what they would do, he said. He wasn't trying to say this is what they're doing. Uh, and he even tweeted uh, that um, uh, his assumption was that they would cut 4.5% across the board. In the absence of any other information, he said something to that effect. He couldn't think of a better way of doing it, uh, which is just, you know, it's, that's fine as a piece of opinion and a piece of academic um, um, speculation. But for Wynne then to turn around and, and use it as gospel, uh, uncategorically say that the Tories were cutting uh, for, for uh, uh, 40,000 public uh, sector jobs is fake news, like I said in my column. And it's also, you know, I, th- I think to tweet something out from a guy that helps head a liberal think tank, not identify it as such and just say, see, you're going to lose 40,000 jobs, is nothing short of fear-mongering on top of it. They're not opposed to fear-mongering to win the election because I think they're fearful that with Doug Ford in charge, with the PCs energized after this leadership race, that her job in the jobs of many of her caucus members and cabinet ministers are really the ones that are going to be lost. Well, with 81% of Ontarians, uh, this recent Dart Insight poll has showed, uh, 81% of uh, Ontarians wanting the Liberals gone. Um, uh, I'm not sure what, uh, how many strategies they have. So fear monitoring may be one of the only tools in the chest. Do you think that we'll, we'll get an honest debate, um, you know, you've been at this media game a lot longer than I have, Jamie. Not that much, but, but longer than I have. And, and you've worked in newsrooms uh, all over the place as well. And what's always striking to me is a cons- if a conservative said, I'm going to create 40,000 jobs, all the the media would demand answers on exactly how. But if a a liberal says the, the, the conservatives will cut 40,000 jobs, they just report it. And there's that same demand for facts, for proof, just isn't there. Outside of yourself and myself and a few opinion people, uh, 
most reporters just, you know, if liberal says it, it's gospel. If a conservative says it, it's a heresy that must be proven. It's 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 a real and growing uh, issue because the, the stakes the stakes are that um, uh, we don't get government that works, we don't get government that serves people, and that's exactly what we're getting right now. There's there's two levels of distraction going on here. The first level of distraction is is with the carbon tax itself. Um, uh, you know it's it's um, uh, you know it's sacrilege to question the carbon tax, even though. Uh, you know, even though when we look at carbon taxes elsewhere, that um, it, it's highly questionable whether they do much or anything to protect the environment. Now, there's a, a lot of debate about that, but it's it's riddled, been riddled with fraud in Europe. Um, so the discussion about about carbon taxes, uh, the, the biggest problem with carbon taxes in Canada is that the U.S. doesn't have them. So that's that's a problem for for trade and for business. So set that aside, set that debate aside. The other issue you have is uh, a distraction from the government's own record uh, and, and what they're promising. I mean, there's just absolutely horrendous questions about, uh, about the, uh, the claims the wind government is making about its promises. And well, well documented by your, your colleague, uh, our mutual friend, Laurie Goldstein. Absolutely. And uh, Lori has um, uh, uh, gone after the government on the fair hydro plan. And I mean, and, uh, you know, as, as have a number of, of provincial watchdogs, uh, uh, the liberals have inflated uh, uh, the, um, the benefits. It's, this 25% reduction is temporary and it's going to cost basically $40 billion. Their OHIP plus free prescription plan, uh, which they say will cost under a half billion, is is easily going to cost uh, a half billion uh sorry a billion by um by uh, according to the experts in the uh, the pharma care industry so uh and, and then on top of that they're they're coming in with the 12th uh deficit in 15 years uh, uh with an eight billion dollar uh, uh deficit to uh finance their election promises this time around now turn on the fire hose spray more money around speaking with james wallace he's the vice president of editorial for uh for the sun newspapers including toronto and ottawa suns uh james before i let you go you you did write a column last week before the leadership race on which conservative candidate which pc candidate was going to be kathleen wins worst nightmare. Anthony Fury wrote uh, that Caroline Mulroney could be. Uh, Tanya Granick allen was uh, was written up by Antella, uh, Antonella Artuzzo. Adrian Batra said it would be uh, Christine Elliott. But you picked Doug Ford. He's in now. He's making noises that will annoy folks like Smokey Thomas by saying he doesn't believe in government monopolies for pot or booze. Uh, he's running like a conservative. Do, yep. you, do you think he's still going to be the the biggest nightmare for Kathleen Wynne. Well, uh, the polls certainly suggest that, and and what we're seeing here is is a um, uh, a kinder, gentler, if you will, uh, a Doug Ford. As uh, you know, the Ford brothers, as we know, uh, when they ran municipally, um, uh, were, uh, were 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 bare knuckle uh, politicians when they needed to be. Um, uh, uh, I thought I thought Doug showed. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of composure and restraint. So clearly, he's making uh, uh, you know he recognizes that uh, what he's good at is is the retail politics. He is he is a, a scrapper and a fighter, uh, but he also has to appear um, uh, he has to appear reasonable, and and I think he realizes that. But it boils down to 
um, uh, you, you know, it, it's 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 a ridiculous suggestion that you know people are saying you know you run a stuffed toy in, uh, against uh, Kathleen Wynne and win and uh, and and still win. Uh, Wynne is tremendous a tremendous uh, uh, candidate. She's 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 very smart. She knows what she's doing. She's got a track record of success in campaigns. So uh, you know, only a fool would uh, would write her off. Uh, however. Um, uh, you know that 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 81 percent um, uh, figure um, of, of people who want them gone. That's a real thing. So for 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 when the trouble is going to be, uh, how does she how does she get people to trust her when they have absolutely no trust in her? For Ford, it's going to be trying to present himself as a credible alternative to uh, to the liberal chaos. Let's hope he can do it because, um, you know, after 15 long years, we need to change the bedsheets in this province. 100%. Thanks for the time, James. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. James Wallace, the vice president of editorial at Sun uh, Newspapers, uh, the Ottawa Sun, the Toronto Sun, and uh, he's got some interesting columns up there, including one on how they are going to scrap the grade three uh, testing and a literacy test that you need to pass in grade 10 in order to graduate high school. Wouldn't that be frightening? I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. We'll play you more of Kathleen Wynne's lies when we come back. Be Lil, he's on your side. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Little bit of an 80s song for you. Relates back to Kathleen Windows. I'm going to let it play so you can hear why this should be Kathleen Wynne's theme song for the Ontario election campaign. If you know your 80s music, you've picked it out already. This was once big on the... I bet this was played on the Mighty 580 when it was a top 40 station. Oh, what's that? Turn it up, Stephen. Lies, lies, lies? No, not from Kathleen Wynne. All of the candidates moved, uh, moved to this position of not tackling climate change and therefore cutting government across uh, across the board. I think. Really? They're all going to not tackle climate change and cut government services across the board. That's what she's actually claiming and what she's going to try and get away with saying. In addition to fear-mongering that you'll lose government services. What's that? Lies, lies, lies. I'm talking about whether they can find long-term care for their loved one, their elder, elderly parent or grandparent. And I'm talking about whether uh, families with kids with mental health challenges can find the services that they need. This is the only thing that the Liberals have left. Make you afraid to vote for change after 15 years. And you know what she's out there doing? She's admitting where they're failing, but saying if you don't vote for her, nothing will get fixed. So the healthcare system that isn't working right now, well, that will only survive if you vote for her. 
and her government, the government that's been in charge for 15 years, the one that has brought you increased hallway health care, the one that cut eye care, chiropractic care, and so many other elements of the health care system. And they're just saying, if you don't vote for us, it's all going to go away. And if you don't vote for us, all those nice things that you want, you won't get those either. We need more support in mental health. We need more care for seniors in the community. We've done a lot, but there's more that has to be done. None of that can be done if you're cutting billions of dollars out of uh, out of each ministry. And that's exactly what Doug Ford is saying he would do. Lies, lies, lies. Complete and utter lies. Meanwhile, I do want to point you to Jamie Wallace's, uh, sorry, James Wallace's, uh, um, being a little too familiar with my old boss there. He was my old boss, but I never really saw him. Uh, one of those people way up the food chain from where I was. James Wallace in the Toronto Sun writing a couple days ago about the liberal plan to scrap grade three in literacy testing. He wrote, the Ontario government is denying rumors it plans to axe grade three testing and eliminate requirements for grade 10 students to pass a literacy test to graduate high school. There's been persistent chatter from education bureaucrats that Kathleen Wynne's liberals are planning to scale back province-wide student testing, which the liberals deny. That is incorrect, was the clear and unequivocal reply from an education ministry spokesman when asked whether rumors about provincial review of standardized testing changes were accurate. However, Dave Cook, who serves uh, his last day Saturday, that means this past Saturday, Dave Cook, who was the head of Ontario's Independent Education Quality and Accountability Office, is one of many who's heard those suggestions. Here's what Dave Cook told The Sun. We have heard there are major recommendations coming affecting education and significant restructuring around the grade three tests. And we would suggest uh, we would suggest changes like that will have a very negative impact on the data we can collect and the information we can give government. You can either fly blind or you can make informed decisions. The Ontario Liberal government appointed six education advisors last fall to review large-scale assessments administered by EQAO, but they have not yet published their findings. And given the fact that they are consistently embarrassed by those test results, where half of students in grade six can't uh, pass the or meet the provincial standard in math, yeah, they probably do want to change the testing, get rid of the testing, make it easier, but they don't want to face the music, that one is for sure. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. What is going on with the Russians? We had the the Russian spy and his daughter attacked in Britain. Now we've got a a Russian national dead in London under suspicious circumstances. Are we facing a return of the Cold War? Is Putin trying to destabilize the West? Elliot Tepper, professor from Carleton University, Norman Patterson School of International Affairs. He will join us next.
The government has concluded that it is highly likely that Russia was responsible for the act against Sergei and Yulia Skripal. British Prime Minister Theresa May in the House of Commons on Monday. Today, Deputy Chief Commissioner Neil Basu, the head of Britain's counter-terrorism police, said they are still looking for support and information from the public when it comes to the attack on Sergei Skripal and his daughter, who were attacked with a nerve agent last week. We are exploring all investigative avenues. This includes extensive CCTV footage from across the city and over 380 exhibits so far. Uh, Basu revealed that uh, Sergei Skripal is a British citizen. The British government has given Russia up until tomorrow, up until Wednesday, to answer for what the British believe is an attack by Russia on a British citizen on British soil. I'm not being flipped by playing the James Bond uh, music in behind here. This really does come across as a return to the Cold War the Cold War era and leaves me wondering where we're headed. Professor Elliot Tepper from Carleton University joins us now on the line. And uh, Professor Tepper, this this sort of thing must take you back to the time of the Cold War. Yeah, I wouldn't call those the good old days, but it's well, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't want to say the good old days. Um, I, I lived through them with the threat of nuclear war hanging over our, exactly. our heads daily. But it, it it was a different era and a different time, and I thought we were past that. But of course, every now and again, someone that annoys Vladimir Putin has to go. Yes, the Russians, to be clear on this, have, have denied it, and they're saying, "Well, send us the chemical evidence." and we will evaluate it, and then we will make a response. But they've also said it is unwise to threaten a nuclear power. And uh, that's the current state of play. Yes, if you cross uh, Mr. Putin, there's an unfortunate uh, long line of uh, people who have ended up deceased. And the latest possible one is uh, a Russian immigrant to London named Nikolai uh, Glushkov. Yes. He's not in critical condition the way Skripal and his daughter are. He's flat out dead under, um, so far, all I'm hearing are suspicious conditions. Yes, but it's the counterterrorism police that are looking into it, even though they say we at this moment won't say there's a linkage. But what we have is that within a week's period, two people connected to opposition to the current leadership in Russia have ended up dead in the U.K. And, of course, as we know, that's not the first time. Uh, well, suddenly I'm trying to remember his name. It just went That's out of my head. Uncle. Yeah, he was the, the one that was jabbed, they believe, with an umbrella. Is it with plutonium? In t- yes, in 2006, and he died. And there's a kind of an iconic image of him floating around on the web uh, in his bed, bald and, and dying uh, in color. And as he was dying, he was saying, this is done to me by, by Putin and the Kremlin. So the Kremlin promised cooperation in mm-hmm. that instance. They didn't deliver. Now they're saying, well, send us the chemical evidence and, and we'll help out. Yes. Do you believe them? Well, we have to say at the outset and, and keep in mind, uh, no matter what we say next, that this is all alleged. It's allegations. It's um, suspicion. It's charges. But at this moment, and this is one of the things I want to come to, we have no... Um, legislative way or we have no uh, court-driven 
a way to evaluate these charges and to do something about them. One of my hopes, Brian, is that this time when the U.K. does respond, that they will pass something like what Canada has just done, uh, echoing the, the United States Magnitsky Act, named after yet another uh, mysterious uh, death attributed to, the, to, to Putin himself in the U.K., in, in, uh, in Russia. So what this would allow you to do is to have justiciable means of dealing with people who are accused of human rights violations, uh, and you can also then seize their assets. One of the great fears uh, floating in the literature, but uh, certainly floating around Russia, I'm sorry, around the U.K. right now, and Russia, but one of the concerns is that so much Russian money is floating into the city, into the city of London, that the U.K. government is reluctant to act, uh, it's being called in the media uh, a laundromat, or laundering dirty money out of Russia. So much money is there that this will be a constraint on behavior, whatever comes next. Well, we, we know that there's been a pile of, of Russian money floating in there. Not all of it dirty, but I'm, correct. I'm guessing enough of it. We, we've seen the Russian oligarchs go in and buy up some of the top football teams in Britain along with uh, some of the top real estate. My, uh, my friend Ray Hurd was telling me about his daughter's neighborhood. Um, she's married to a former advisor to, uh, to David Cameron, mm-hmm. and they were living in this nice neighborhood, and suddenly nobody can afford to live there anymore because of all the Russian money flowing in yes. and driving up the real estate prices. A lot of Russian money in, in London. So I can understand they don't want to get rid of that, but this is a serious attack on a British subject on British soil. And we can broaden that out. This is an attack on, uh, on, a, on NATO territory and also, at the moment, still an EU territory. That is, there's been an attack, apparently, alleged, uh, we have to emphasize, that does suggest that uh, a foreign country was responsible uh, on these, uh, again, on the NATO territory and also on an EU territory. So there are two international or multinational uh, organizations involved with a possible response. Now we'll have to see if either of those, in fact, are brought into uh, into play. Well, if the Brits are able to prove that this happened because of of Russia, and uh, let's be upfront, the nerve agent used is something called Novichok. Yes, developed by the former Soviet Union. Yes, this is something that they have, something that they have been known to use. This has their fingerprints on it. Yes. Uh, if the Brits are able to prove, what does that do for the international order? Putin saying don't threaten a nuclear power. Well, the Brits happen to be a nuclear power as well. Yes. And so are many of our allies. Yes. And nobody, nobody thinks this will escalate to that point. But you, know, you did talk about the Cold War and, and the cloud that metaphorically hung over uh, all of us for a very long time that we thought was behind us. And then now we're back with, uh, with North Korea and suddenly both uh, Russia and, and other countries talking about nuclear matters. So the sanctions, which are one major possibility, you know, what can, what can the U.K. do? One thing they can do is work with the EU. And the sanctions that are on Russia right now are not by the U.K. It's by, by the EU, which were put there because of the Crimea and Ukrainian um, issues. So... Those could be strengthened. And a lot of the behavior that uh, we see coming out of Russia in many different dimensions apparently is designed to get out from under those sanctions. So if there's going to be a serious response, 
One response would be at home in the UK to beef up the legislative capacity to deal with so that people can sue and Magnitsky Act okay. and, and others, and then internationally, and uh, the UK, uh, the EU has already mentioned this that they're about to have a meeting, and that could be taken if the UK wishes to do so to their EU partners as long as they're still members and say let's do even more on the sanctions which Russia we know is desperately trying to uh, to weaken and get out of through all the many actions we they are alleged to be taking to undermine both the EU and all the elections and also the West. I, I want to ask you about destabilization in a minute, but first, how should we be viewing Russia? And I'll put it in this context. We had the Soviet Union, then we had Glasnost, and then we thought they were moving towards <laughs> democracy and being partners. They were invited to join the G7. It became the G8. Then they were kicked out. Yes, they yeah. invaded Ukraine. I remember former Prime Minister Stephen Harper greeting Putin at a, a summit saying, I only have one thing to say to you, get out of Russia. I guess, I guess I'll shake your hand, but yeah. you've got to get out of Crimea. Uh, and, or Yeah, get out of Crimea. And, and then uh, we had the, the current government come in, and I remember Stefan Dion and, uh, when he was foreign minister and before that the prime minister while he was campaigning saying, you know, this is just ideology with Stephen Harper. There's no problem with Russia. <laughs> then there were the allegations they interfered with the U.S. election and hurt Hillary Clinton. Suddenly Russia's bad again. I happen to think Russia is a bad actor. But in the middle of all this, I hear constantly from people and especially not exclusively, but especially young men who just see Putin as this strong man and he's a real leader and Russia's great and, uh, you know, the the rest is just noise. How, how should we be viewing Russia? Are they uh, a fair actor on the world stage? We have a situation which is, on the one hand, on the other hand, on the one hand, the whole range of behavior that's been coming out of Russia, allegedly, for quite some time, in, a whole, in many different ways, turning off transponders on on airplanes that then buzz our NATO allies and, and ourselves, for that matter, you know, offshore Canada, uh, and what's going on in Syria, and in many different ways, including the active measures apparently taking against democracies, including apparently in the most recent Italian election and so forth. All of that suggests, you know, and, and the, the deaths that we are now speaking about, that this is not a normal state. It's an aggressive state that is pushing out as far as it can. It's paying, playing a fairly weak hand, actually, in terms of an economy about the size of Italy. But they want to reclaim the glory of, of the uh, empire that it used to be. Uh, an evil empire was once called. But uh, they want to reclaim that. And they are taking steps that our Al Capone would be proud of. I'm sorry to put it that way. On the other hand, they are a member of the uh, United Nations, if you're going to have any arms control agreement, it has to be, and I want those, uh, the nuclear arms control agreements in particular need to be brought back and strengthened, not reduced. They have to be seen as a responsible player in regard to peace in Syria, in regard to all the other ways that, that a big power uh, is acting. So on the one hand, there's a whole range of behaviors which are allegedly uh, being undertaken, which are very questionable by any state. And on the other hand, we have a nuclear-armed uh, member, the permanent uh, sec- permanent member of the Security Council, and so forth. It's a very difficult situation. Professor Tepper, thanks for helping walk us through it. Well, but 
You know what? I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. There was a big uh, issue that happened south of the border today. Really? That, well, <laughs> it's getting a lot of attention. Yeah, sure. I, I just don't know that it's a, a big deal. And that's that Rex, Rex Tillerson was fired as the Secretary of State. The reason I don't think it's a big deal is he was kind of shunted aside like a, a bad train in Thomas the Tank Engine quite some time ago. He, he was not effectively the Secretary of State for some time. Well, of course, like everyone else, not like I'm a news junkie, and I'm following every twist and turn of of the circus. But let's stand back a bit, uh, Brian, and and elevate this and link the two stories that we're talking about: the emergence of Russia in a variety of ways, some of them uh, not savory, and some of them that we have to deal with, and what's going on in Washington. If you are a state, an aspiring power in the world, such as Russia, such as China. You can only see what's going on in Washington with bemusement and a certain amount of satisfaction. America has got a system right now that is increasingly dysfunctional. Every day that goes by, there's more dysfunction, more inability to govern itself effectively. And that's just good news for an emergent Russia and a, uh, an emergent China. Yeah, some people are making hay out of the fact that Donald Trump was not uh, strident enough in saying he was on side with the Brits earlier. He said, I want to talk to them, see what the evidence is, and, and if it's Russia, we'll denounce them. And then later on, apparently came out and said, we're with you 100% after he talked to Theresa May. Uh, do you think there is an attempt to destabilize Western alliances by Russia as part of all of this? Well, that's uh, unquestionable. The, the attempt to destabilize Western alliances is one of the unifying motifs of Russian behavior in a variety of ways. Uh, we we saw it in in terms of the EU uh, repeatedly and so forth. So, no, that's a that's a goal, and uh, undermining indeed the whole idea of a democratic system and the ability of Western states that you know we're part of the Western alliance uh, to to act cohesively, and that's that's an ongoing an ongoing goal. If you take it down to what we're talking about right now, we have a situation uh, back to the UK where. You know, they feel they can act apparently and allegedly without any uh, any fear of retribution. And when we take it, take it to the U.S., there is this mysterious inability of or reluctance or um, policy choice by the current administration in the U.S. to not criticize Russia in any direct and, and, and meaningful way, not to push back, not to make them pay a cost for the kind of behavior that we just saw in the U.K., for example, allegedly. I think they could all use some of Stephen Harper's bluntness. Professor Tepper? Bluntness, yes. And we'll have to see behavior, however, by a major power. Thanks for the time. You're very welcome, Brian. Professor Elliot Tepper joining us uh, this evening to talk about what's going on with Russia. Uh, When we come back, I'll give you, if there's time, I'll give you a quick update on CBC and what I found out about their walk back of their, their story that maligned the RCMP and tried to drive a race wedge in this country. And just after 8.30, the Liberals say they're trying to save money. Why are they only bragging about more spending? They can't find savings after a year of study. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Okay, went too long with uh, Professor Tepper there. So I'll save the CBC bit, but you're not going to believe what they did. I told you the story last night. You heard from my friend John Gormley, who broke it, about how they maligned the RCMP 
lied about an investigation, outright lied about it, and then, you know, they're caught with fake news and they just pretend it's not their fault. Their investigative team didn't do the job. How did they correct it? I'll tell you about that uh, in a little while. But coming up next, this Liberal government up on Parliament Hill can only do one thing, and that's spend more of your money, which is why the $10 billion a year deficits have ballooned and ballooned and They're never going to end, uh, according to finance projections, until 2045. Well, they've got a whole committee out there that is supposed to be looking for savings. They're supposed to be going line by line looking for savings through departments. Guess what they've done? They've highlighted the new spending they're doing. They can't find anything to save on. We'll talk to Tony Clement, former president of the Treasury Board, conservative MP, about that next. Don't want to miss it. It'll leave you scratching your head. Brian Lilly, News Talk 580 CFRA. It's one of those things that just makes you want to scratch your head, maybe even cry. Uh, the waste of government money with them buying all these tickets to a Broadway play come from away, that's one thing, right? They spent 23000 on 502 tickets, and then a couple of hundred people didn't even RSVP. That's one story about government waste that bothers me. But then there's the bigger story. A liberal spending review by the government has so far identified no cuts, but they're highlighting new spending. Uh, Bill Curry writing about this in The Globe and Mail. uh, They're supposed to review $10 billion a year and find ways to lower costs. They can't do it, so they're highlighting new spending. I want to bring in Tony Clement right now. He is currently the Conservative Shadow Minister on Public Services and Procurement, which kind of touches on this, but in a previous life was also President of the Treasury Board, which of course, they're the people that hold the purse strings and are supposed to watch the pennies that the finance minister is busy trying to spend everywhere. Tony, thanks for the time today. Yeah, no problem, Brian. Great to be on the show again. You know, when I when I heard of this story, I, I, I immediately thought back to Stories that I've heard from yourself, from people like former Senator Marjorie LeBreton, who have told me what these meetings that you guys used to have, because you guys went through a similar process. And when you're absolutely we did, when when you're spending almost three hundred billion dollars, you should be able to find a billion or two in savings every year. Do we really need this anymore? Do we need that? And, And the stories that I've always heard is that these were long meetings into the night sometimes torturous, but fruitful. And these guys have spent a full year doing what they call a comprehensive review, and they can't find any money? Well, this is, uh, this is more than scratching your head that you said, Brian. This is tearing your hair out. Uh, this is a situation where they had the much-vaunted deliverology. Remember that, how they were going to deliver public services and be respectful of the taxpayer? Well, they spent a whole lot of money on deliverology, and they haven't found any savings whatsoever. And, and, pure, and that, that was money—that was money that went to uh, a, a consultant, some supposed expert in deliverology, word I'd never heard of until we started exactly. paying the guy out of the UK. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it's another example of, of questionable spending, uh, along with that uh, temporary rink in front of Parliament Hill that always gets people's dander up, and for good reason, no. Look, when we, when we were in power, I'm not saying we did everything right, but 
But when we were looking at cost savings, yeah, we a lot of our meetings went past midnight where we were going through item by item, telling the bureaucrats, justify this. Can we do it better this way? Is there another way to do this that uh, saves the taxpayers money? Uh, and, and, and that was that was our job, quite frankly. Uh, we took our job seriously. Treasury Board should be there to deliver the message that every dime of taxpayer money has to be spent wisely. And if there's a better way to deliver that service or not deliver the service at all, because there are other service deliverers, do it that way. And clearly, that they haven't got the hint that that's what their job is. Uh, they're, they're, now they think their job is spending money rather than saving money. Hey, Tony, I know that you guys didn't do a perfect job when you were there because I complained often about how much money you guys were spending and you heard you personally heard from me directly uh, either in the halls of parliament or on TV or radio or in print you've heard from me because you know like most Canadians I want my tax dollars spent properly but you, you guys were actually you know, trying to find the savings though and these guys appear to just be highlighting that they're spending more Walk us and, through and, how yeah, you would do yeah. these meetings. Like, what would you be looking at in, in a very concrete way, if you can well, give us an example? Absolutely. Well, we had uh, something called the Deficit Reduction Action Plan. And uh, the idea was that uh, we would examine it. We eventually examined over 650 different programs, item by item, had uh, the, uh, the uh, heads of the bureaucracy in on each department, they would go through, we would, we would say, justify this, or how can we spend it better on that? Or is this program still relevant to the taxpayers, to the Canadians? Does it still deliver something that Canadians need? Asking those, those fruitful questions. So it was a laborious process, but we found not $1 billion, not $2 billion, We found $9 billion of savings eventually doing it that way. And that's how we got to a balanced budget. It was, no, $9 billion? Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, and, so, and by comparison, what the spokesman for the, uh, the the department is saying now is that well, we can't highlight any savings, but uh, we we can point to eighty eight point five million dollar investment announced in budget twenty eighteen for Canada Border Services and an extra one point five billion in Indigenous Health. Well, that's new spending. That's not savings, which is what the committee was set up to do. And we had a rule at Treasury Board when I was there, Brian, uh, when we were trying to get back to a balanced budget. If a minister wanted to spend more money on something that was outside the budget, something comes up, he or she had to also find, at least try to find, commensurate savings. So if you want to spend an extra $50 million on something, where are you going to save $50 million in your budget? And that had the ability, that had the, the, the uh, object of putting discipline in the system. Right now, there's no discipline in the system. They are spending money. They go to Treasury Board. It's all unfunded. Uh, that is to say, they haven't found where they're going to find the money, except through deficits and through higher taxes. That, to me, is not the job of Treasury Board. Treasury Board should be pushing them and saying, where are you going to cut? Where's something that isn't necessary anymore, because it was started 30 years ago, and maybe times have changed, so that you can spend the money and reallocate it to the the, the use that you wanted to reallocate it to. That, that process is missing right now from Treasury Board and from finance. You know, I, I love to point out to these things that hang around long after their usefulness is done. The uh, city of Detroit, as it was going bankrupt, still had on their, their payroll someone whose job it was to shoe the horses, but they didn't have horses anymore. Uh, yeah. But the, uh, the union contract said they had to have someone to do the job that didn't exist, 
and they never bothered to say, you know what, um, we don't use horses to yeah. to do the jobs that the cars in the trucks that we used to build in Detroit have replaced. So I'm sure there are examples like that at every level of government. There are at every level of government, but you won't find them unless you look for them. And I, I think that the current Liberal government has given up the ghost on this. They're not, they're not even looking anymore. They're just proclaiming that every... I mean, think of it, Brian. Think of the audacity to say, we've checked for the last three years or two and a half years. We've checked under every rock. We've checked in, the, in every corner. And it, it just turns out that 100% of what we spend is being spent the best way possible. And think of the, the, uh, the audacity of that, uh, and, and I think it, it just goes to show how silly the whole thing is. It makes me yearn for the days of John Manley as the uh, federal liberal finance minister because I covered John and John would always be saying, well, I'm moving money from low priorities to high priorities. He may not have cut spending, although at times they did, but he would say, we're not doing that anymore. Here's the thing that, that really needs the money. And, and these guys aren't even pretending... We've got a government at Queen's Park, and you're an Ontarian, uh, that promised to balance the books. Now they're going back into deficit ahead of the election. What do you expect as we head into an election next year? Are they going to ramp up the spending even more, Tony? Oh, yeah. And I think there's all sorts of hidden corners where they, they have already ramped up the spending to, to pay off this special interest group or or, or that, uh, that uh, part of the public sector union or uh, whatever. So I think this is this is why I really do believe that the fiscal health of uh, uh, the biggest province in the country and the ability to create new jobs and new opportunity when, the, when, the, when everybody's being laden with these new taxes, that's got to be one of the huge issues for Doug Ford. And I believe that he's going to take, take that by the bit and he's going to really run with that. I think that's part of uh, the message that you're going to see from Doug Ford in the weeks ahead. All right. Uh, Tony Clement, uh, former president of the Treasury Board, now the shadow minister for public services and procurement. Thanks for taking the time tonight uh, out of your busy schedule. My pleasure. Do you think you could have found more savings than uh, Trudeau's liberals did? I mean, it's it's as if they're not even trying. If you had a budget of $300 billion, do you think you could find somewhere to save money? Other than, and I forgot about this while I had Tony with me, Other than cutting books for the blind, shame on you, Justin. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. I'll give you that promised CBC update when we come back. A couple of other stories you need to know. This is Beyond the News. is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Get some FaceTime with Brian. Join the resistance at facebook.com slash 580CFRA. say that Doug Ford is really sounding like a breath of fresh air out there. Oh, wait. Where's the clip, Stephen? Do you think it's fair that we just handpick a couple stores and let them do it instead of let everyone do it? It's unfair. 
competition to other retailers. Every expert in this. Uh, unlike Smokey Thomas. i to be blunt, that's stupid. That's stupid. Why well, have, well, have stuff sold by people other than the government? I remember going to a, a rally. It's back when I was working as a local reporter for CFRA, and the Ernie Eves government had promised that they were going to do the the P3 partnership to rebuild the Royal Ottawa Hospital because the Royal Ottawa Hospital was, it was over 100 years or around 100 years old at the time, and it was way down the list for hospitals that were going to be replaced. And so they said, look, we don't have the money to give you, but we've got this experimental thing and we'll open it up to a certain number of hospitals. If you want to do a public-private partnership where it's financed, the building of the new hospital is financed privately, we can do it. Well, some people were upset that certain jobs might have been privatized out, including cleaning and food preparation. And I remember going to this rally, and, and it was a union member, and I'm just asking straightforward questions about, well, why are you there? Well, they're going to privatize food pr- preparation. Do you know how dangerous that is to have the private sector make your food? And I stopped and I honestly asked, have you never eaten in a restaurant? What about where you buy your food? We think that booze and pot are so special that they have to be sold through a government store. And yet the most important thing that we consume on a daily basis. Well, there'd be water. That's kind of a mixed system. You've got your local tap water, which I prefer. I'm fine with tap water. An awful lot of people buy their water from a a private company and they trust that that water's safe. But all of our food, it's not from the government and it's safe. So this can be handled by the private sector. And Doug Ford has said, He's fine with doing that. How do the Ontario Liberals attack him on this? When you consider that because Kathleen Wynne knows that there is an increasing appetite for this, she's opened it up. So, okay, trying to think. The grocery store is right next to me here. You can't buy uh, booze at. But you can buy beer and wine and plenty of local farm boys, Loblaws, Metro. How she And she did that. So how is she going to attack him saying that he'd open it up to more competition? Well, she already did. Anyway, I promised you an update on the CBC story. This is the one that's gone gangbusters online. And if you haven't read it yet, you can find the links on my social media sites on Twitter.com slash Brian Lilly, Facebook.com slash Brian Lilly, or just up at the website, BrianLilly.com. It's nice and simple. I try and keep it that way so that uh, no one forgets my name. CBC sent their investigative unit to look into how the RCMP investigated Gerald Stanley. Now, if you recall, about a month ago, Gerald Stanley was acquitted of second-degree murder. He's the Saskatchewan farmer that killed 22-year-old Colton Bushy. Bushy was with a group of friends. They'd been drinking all day. They drove onto Stanley's farm. They were trying to steal stuff, smash things up in the middle of that as Stanley's trying to stop it and thinking his wife had just been run over in the, by the vehicle that Bushy's sitting behind the wheel of. He says he had fired warning shots and then the third shot just went off 
and killed him, killed Bushi. He was acquitted. The jury said, we don't think there's enough evidence here for second-degree murder. He walks. CBC doesn't like this verdict because they're convinced this was all racism, and so they send their investigative team, headed up by David Common and a senior investigative producer at CBC, to go to Saskatchewan and do a story on how the RCMP treated this white farmer with leniency and better and did a sloppy and negligent, those are their words, sloppy and negligent investigation into the death of an indigenous man. They make this all about race. That's the only thing behind this. And they make two claims that were later proven to be false. They claim that Gerald Stanley was arrested, taken down to the local detachment, photographed and released and told, yeah, come back, come back the next day. As John Gormley said last night, it's a bit like, you know, slap on the back from the good old boys. Hey, you're, you're white. You just, you just killed a native. Go on home. Come back when you can. It's kind of how they portrayed it. But it never happened that way. They also claimed that the RCMP never uh, seized Gerald Stanley's clothing to test them for blood spatter, splatter or gunpowder residue. Again, not true. They did. But they went out and they got all these things. And last week, they ran the story at the top of the National and ran for 8 minutes and 41 seconds of them talking about this. 8 minutes and 41 seconds off the top. Now, granted, again, it's the third-rated newscast in a three-horse race. It goes CTV National News at the top, Global a bit behind them, and CBC is way back, believe me. And especially with this new Hollywood Squares version of their national newscast. But still, hundreds of thousands of people saw it. Then it's posted online. Thousands and thousands and thousands more see it. Then it's on their radio news. And lots of people do listen to that state broadcaster across the country. And they repeated the story over and over and over again. They got calls for an investigation into how the RCMP did it. But it was a story based on lies. On false information. It was fake news. Again, it led the World Six Radio newscast. It led the National. Do you know how they handled it last night? They appended on their web copy two corrections way at the bottom. Now, most people that are going to read that story have already read it. They're not going back to read it again. A story filled with false information, fake news. The people that saw it saw it at the top of the newscast. Last night, on the third-ranked newscast, CBC spent about 30 seconds at 19 minutes after the hour correcting the record. They spent 8 minutes and 41 seconds explaining in detail how what they had discovered through their investigative reporting was so damaging to the RCMP. They smeared the RCMP's name. They ran it through the mud. For 8 minutes and 41 seconds, plus follow-on story after follow-on story after follow-on story. And then they spent 30 seconds vaguely describing how they had screwed it all up, how the story was fake news. But they didn't call it fake news. They said they stood by the rest of their reporting, which was all based off of these two lies at the core of the original. 30 seconds at 19 minutes after the hour versus the first 8 minutes and 41 seconds of their flagship third-place newscast. I think they owe the RCMP an apology, and I think they owe the Canadian people an apology 
for their shoddy work of their so-called investigative team. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. When we come back, I want to hear from you about Kathleen Wynne's lies. I'm going to play them again, and I want to hear from you tonight. Kathleen Wynne at 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility or 1-800-580-CFRA. with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Kathleen Wynne opened her mouth today and did something she'll be doing a lot over the course of the election campaign. Very appropriate song from the Thompson Twins. Especially when she starts an interview where she's asked about... Evan asked her, what do you make of Doug Ford winning? And she said it didn't really matter who won. All of the candidates moved... Uh, move to this position of not tackling climate change and therefore cutting government across uh, across the board. I think not tackling climate change, meaning not doing the big cap and trade money grab that I want, not doing the other liberal money grab of a carbon tax. If you don't do what they want, you're against the issue. You hate women. You hate the seniors. She's out there actually saying that without her, all these people are going to end up in snowbanks. I'm talking about whether they can find long-term care for their loved one, their elder, elderly parent or grandparent. And I'm talking about whether uh, families with kids with mental health challenges can find the services that they need. 2012 presidential election. One of the super PACs backing Barack Obama actually ran an ad with a, an elderly woman. It looked like someone had taken Granny out from the home and someone that looked like Mitt Romney was pushing Granny in a wheelchair, got her to a cliff and threw her off. That's the level of debate that I'm going to expect from the Ontario Liberals and their, I don't know, their supplicants in the media, their surrogates in the media. How should I describe them? And when they're not telling us that if we don't vote for them, you'll lose all your services, Kathleen Wynne is telling us, if you don't vote for us, you won't get any of the good things that you need. We need more supports in mental health. We need more care for seniors in the community. We've done a lot, but there's more that has to be done. None of that can be done if you're cutting billions of dollars out of uh, of each ministry. And that's exactly what Doug Ford is saying he would do. You know what? I used to cover a a liberal government that cut taxes year after year. They cut business taxes. They cut corporate taxes year after year. And do you know what happened? Government revenue went up. 
That was a liberal government of Jean Chrétien. You know what happened when Stephen Harper cut taxes in the same way? Government revenue went up. These people had more money to spend. So the businesses invested. They grew. They paid more tax. They were making more profit. They weren't being crushed by taxes. And therefore, they had more money. They actually made a profit. If a business doesn't make a profit, they don't pay tax. Our business tax rate went down from, I believe it was as high as 29% at one point, to 15%. The first 7% was Cretchen and the Liberals. The last 7% was Stephen Harper. And Jim Flaherty challenged then-Ontario Liberal Premier Dalton McGuinty to lower the business tax rate in Ontario to 10% so that there would be a combined Maximum rate of 25%. Make us much more competitive. And you know what? It worked for a time until other policies caught up, like hydro rates through the roof, like labor laws that don't help anybody but drive up costs. Kathleen Wynne and the liberals are going to, in this next campaign, spew lie after lie. And believe me, they will not be called on it by the media. So you need to be your own media and you need to call out the lies. You need to call them out on Twitter. You need to call them out on Facebook in person if you have to and let people know what the truth is. I will do my part. And if you see that I'm out there doing it, you can share it. You can retweet it. You can do whatever. But you can point out these problems as well and hold the politicians and the media that's supposed to cover them to account. Love to hear your thoughts on Kathleen Wynne and her lies, her attempt to push back on Doug Ford, who, in my view, is sounding incredibly interesting on the campaign trail and who's holding his own against what's turned into a hostile media. And why is it a hostile media? Because, as I always say, as soon as as soon as a conservative is elected and they threaten for power. Then they become evil. Then they have horns coming out of their heads. Then they're awful people. That's what's happening with Doug now. Had Christine Elliott won, the same thing would have been happening. Are you ready to put an end to win in her lies? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Guy, go. Hi, Brian. Good evening. Um, yeah, I thought uh, Evan did a very fair and balanced uh, interview today. He, did, he asked the, the questions that he could. And Kathleen Wynne has obviously been, you know, has she's a masterful politician the way she did that, and that's one thing Doug has to watch out for. I do have the campaign slogan for Ford Nation for the campaign. It's uh, if you want to hear it, it's um, Cap Win and Trade Trudeau. So it basically needs a combination of federal and provincial campaign. I, I, I do like Doug's slogan, which is Cap Taxes and Trade Win. Oh, is that what it is? Cap Taxes and Trade Win. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, he, he used that in pretty much every stump, spe- uh, stump speech he gave, so it's yeah. uh, it's good. Well, the fear-mongering was definitely apparent here in Ottawa today with the Yasser uh, at the uh, Ottawa Community Health Centre. We just can't keep spending like this, Brian. And the fact is, one thing that I, I hope Doug picks up on in his binder when he comes back with his retorts against all these lies is, we just remortgaged our kids' future for $23 billion in interest to give the fair hydro plan, if you remember correctly, that was passed by the legislature last year, 
which basically took, I think, 17% off our hydro bills for what, one year or two years or till the next election, is it? it? starts next year. Anyways, bottom line is that was to balance the budget. Here we are, nine months later, eight months later, after passing that legislation, and he has the audacity to table an $8 billion budget with deficit. Brian, this is exactly why Doug Ford has to get this province before it goes all over the cliff. But I, I did want to talk about the little the trouble with Trudeau uh, today, to uh, this Belgian trouble problem. Okay. And, uh, you know, really, this does go hand in hand, because what we've got is incompetency at all levels. And, and she just cannot answer for her litany of crimes in this province. The Green Energy Act being the biggest crime in Ontario, and I hope Doug forges in on that. She had no answers today because she has no answers for her record. So she's just going to fearmonger. She's just going to attack. She, that's exactly the masterful politician that she is. Doug has to very much watch it. I hope he gets some security guards. I really do. Uh, I don't, I, I, well, he's going to have security guards. It, uh, it happens in every election for everyone that could become well, premier. Well, maybe the Toronto police can lend him that helicopter they used to track his brother around for two months. That's long forgotten and best long forgotten, the uh, the story of Rob. Well, and I think Doug's happy Global to put Mail, it in the past. The Global Mail piece today was just shameful. I, w- I was waiting for the Etobicoke high school days to come out, Brian. I figured, okay, they'll probably bring in a few, about a month before the election. Two days after he's elected. They bring Do you really the think oldest, when... oldest past story in the book. So uh, the story is that allegedly Doug Ford sold pot back in high school. Uh, in that would be the seventies. Do you think that people are, are going to are, are are they going to hold it against him when the Ontario government is about to become the biggest purveyor of pot in the country? <laughs> Thanks for all you do, Brian. It's appointment radio, and I got to tell you, I, I I make it a point every night to make you uh, on my on my Facebook live. I hope you do more of that. Thanks all right, for all you do. Thanks so much, Guy. 521-TALK, 521-8255. Kathleen Wynn wants you to believe a bunch of lies. Are you taking them? 521-TALK, back in moments. In a world gone mad, there must be resistance. You're listening to Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. So something shocking is happening uh, across the hallway at uh, TSN 1200. They're actually covering a, a senator's win and they don't know what to do about it. I was talking with A.J. Jakobek in the hallway there and... Uh, They've been saying for the last few days, you guys have a far more interesting job than we do. They're just covering the Senators lose every night, blah, blah. Well, they're winning again tonight. It's 6-3 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They won last night against Florida Panthers. Yeah, but Tampa's the best team in the league, though, Brian. Uh, well, I know, but the Florida Panthers are also playoff bound. Mm-hmm. They also beat the, the Dallas Stars playoff bound. They built, beat the Vegas Golden Knights, and I said to AJ, I think it's the warm weather. He thinks maybe it's warm weather and playing against better playoff teams. 
I think the warm weather has something to do with it. I think the boys are enjoying being out golfing during the day and then going to play hockey at night. The uh, remarkable thing is that Tampa has 38 shots on goal. And it's 6-3 for Ottawa. Well, and good for them. And it's the end of the second period. Donald Trump and Rex Tillerson parted ways today, and I'll explain why in our system this would be absolutely normal. You're either on board with the leader or you're out. But the Toronto Star, which would chastise anyone that broke from Justin Trudeau, it, well, they're out denouncing Trump and they're denouncing people that are inside the Liberal caucus speaking against Trudeau. We'll talk about that in a minute. But first, let's go to Holly calling in about Doug Ford. Holly, you're on Beyond the News. Hi, Brian. Um, I listen to you almost every night, so... Um Great show. Thank you. And thank you for taking my call. Um, <laughs> well, I just wanted to mention about um, Doug Ford um, briefly. Are, are you happy that he won or upset that he won? I'm upset that he won. Why? I don't want him representing Ontario or Canada um, on the global scale as a premier of Ontario. I don't like him. I think he's, he, he he is his brother's brother, um, and I just don't like him. I think he he's a conservative, so I think he will cut a lot of things that I support. And uh, like, I would, like what you you know that when Mike Harris was in, spending on education and healthcare went up every year. Mike Harris. Yeah, and he's blamed for being the guy that cuts and cuts and cuts, but. He, he increased spending every year. He was uh, a liberal? No, he was a conservative. And he's denounced by the media and by liberals, although I repeat myself, um, okay. for cutting everything when he didn't. Did he shift money around and change how we were spending it to make it more efficient? Yeah. Uh, but he didn't cut spending. You know, right, well, now we, uh, well, right now we've got hospitals, Holly, where people are being treated in the hallways where yes, uh, Canadian citizens are dying because they can't get into a hospital. Yes, I realize that, and um, I'm aware of that. And how do you think Doug Ford is going to help that? He's a conservative. How, oh, okay, is- Holly, what does that mean, he's a conservative? Do you, do you think conservatives have no heart? Um, kind of. Um, well, you're I speaking think, to one. I, 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 okay. Well, no offense to you, Brian, but I think they're going to cut things. Uh, I think they're going to cut a lot of things, like um, like what? He's, he's well, he's anti-abortion for one thing. He's he's anti. Um, uh, okay, what 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 he said on abortion, and let's go through this. And, and I'm not picking on you, but let's just get the facts yeah, out there. Is fine. that what he said was? Why should a 12 or 13 year old girl be able to go and get an abortion? Without their mm-hmm. parents being informed when kids can't get an aspirin from the school nurse or go on a field trip without parental permission. Shouldn't the parents have a right to know? He didn't say stop it. He said parents should have a right to know. I agree with that. Well, that that's um, all he said. He, he didn't say he's going to stop I, abortions. Uh, okay. And, and he actually uh, can't because it's a federal... Well, I'd say it's a federal law, but we have no federal law. So, what else will? What, what else makes you nervous about him? Um, gosh, um, 
well, apart from the abortion issue, I think he's probably anti, uh, although I don't know for sure, he's anti um, same-sex marriage. He's a conservative. He's a bit, he, he's... <laughs> <laughs> Holly, come on. Yeah, Same-sex same marriage. Do you know why same-sex marriage exists in this country? Because in 2003, Ernie Eves, who was premier of Ontario, said he would not challenge a lower court Ontario ruling. And it was legal for two years before Paul Martin and the Liberals made it federal law. That was Ernie Eves, a conservative. Okay. So, yeah. you know, I, 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 think, I think you... You might read the Toronto Star and listen to CBC a bit too much if you think that conservatives just go around sitting under bridges like trolls hating people. Well, that's what I believe. I, 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 they want to save money. They want to cut. They want. Uh, they want to uh, save on the uh, the uh, cut down the deficit, which the Liberals are, are raking up, uh, according to everybody else. Um, I don't. Well, according to the I, numbers. Well, yeah, the numbers. Okay, um, I don't. Just in my opinion, I I, I know we were going to debate this. That's why I was kind of nervous to get on the air. With but you. I'm 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 so, I'm being gentle here, Holly. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. You're being very kind. Um, but, but I I think I think I, I, that I, you. I mean, I'll think up some books or or articles, and okay. and I can send them along. Leave your email address with Stephen, and I'll send okay. them along because I I think you've got a mistaken view. Of conservatives, it make you you make people that believe in conservative principles sound like we live like a troll under a bridge. I, I mean, Stephen Harper ran the country for a decade, and we were yeah. well respected around the world, and the country ran fine, and nothing fell apart. Are you a little biased? Well, yeah, because I, I I'm a conservative, and I'm open about that. Yeah, Unlike okay. most people in the media, that uh, you know, when they say they're neutral, they're liberals. Yeah. And he's his brother's brother. Don't you think the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? I'm not saying he's he's uh, uh, what was his brother's name? Um, Rob. Rob. Yeah. They, well, um, I've met them both. They're two very different men. Are you exactly oh, really? like your sister or your brother? Are you exactly like your siblings? Because I'll tell you, I'm not. Uh, no, I'm not. Of so I'm not. you know, I'd be rather upset if somebody held something my brother did against uh, against me when I had Fair nothing enough. to do with it. Fair enough. I just don't like Doug Ford. Well, I don't, he, li- I don't like. He's a big ape of a man, and, uh, and okay. Uh, well, so now now we're down to fat shaming. I got to take a uh, a break, but if you, if you want those those articles or anything, leave your email with Stephen. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back in moments. Unofficial opposition. Brian Lilly is on your side. Beyond the news on News Talk 580 CFRA. I can tell you all the ads that keep playing for the Glen restaurant have me looking at their menu right now, trying to find out if I can get black pudding tomorrow. Do they have black pudding? Potato scone, eggs, bacon. I'm... I'm just drooling, but doesn't he look like they have breakfast? Scotch egg, though. I like Scotch egg. 
521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Uh, talking about Doug Ford versus Kathleen Wynne, and of course what you have to remember is that Kathleen Wynne is just going to lie, 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 get out. All of the candidates moved uh, moved to this position of not tackling climate change and therefore cutting government across uh, across the board. I think. And those are the kinds of lies that Hawley believes. I can sit with the liberal and argue with them using facts. And if we want to stay on facts all day, maybe I'll convince them, maybe I won't. But if you just have liberal talking points from the media, well, that makes the conversation a lot more difficult, doesn't it? James, you're on Beyond the News. Yes, Brian. Doug, um, Doug Ford is, is a fresh air, as you, as you said at the start of your show, is a fresh fresh Caribbean breeze passing through Canada. No, no, no. He hates immigrants. Doesn't like anyone from the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. That's what I we're going to hear, James. Yeah, as usual. <laughs> um, but I tell you, when, when the last time I was at a Ford rally down in Toronto, it was Jamaican, Chinese, Greek. <laughs> Every Everybody was there. I heard that. And I, I've never met him. I've never been... In his surroundings, but um, from the time you from the time you you listen to this guy, you can see he's a down to earth guy, just like his brother. I work with a guy who sounds exactly like Holly. <laughs> you he used sound, to be like Holly, or you knew someone like Holly? I I said I work. I'm, oh, okay. I'm working with a guy who sounds just like Holly, a staunch liberal. I believe these people have have something special about them. I believe Catherine, Catherine Wynne give them some dirty water to, um, to, um, to, <laughs> to drink. <laughs> yeah, I truly believe that. She washed something and she gave them the water to drink. Well, it's... Um, language. You know, it's, it, it's just people going on feeling and emotion rather than thinking, look, I, I, I exactly. used to believe the liberal line, James. And then part of what happened was I, I grew up, I started paying taxes, I moved to the Soviet Socialist Republic of Quebec, uh, where socialism, I was told by CBC and the Toronto Star that socialism was great there, and it worked wonderfully, and then I went there, and it's awful, and you don't want to, Quebec's not awful, it's just the government system, which is much more socialist than the rest of the country, you're thinking, who wants to live with this? These people, they just don't like change, as though they love to remain in darkness, in backwardness they don't like to see but they don't they, when they put their hands in their pocket they don't they don't want to feel feel that they have money in their pocket they want coffee win to be taking every cent like just like the guy i i i i said who sounds just as this woman all his defense is that um what do we believe the government have to have money to, um, to build roads to build inf- infrastructure but that doesn't mean to say you you should not have money to maintain your kids your family, it has to be balanced. And right now, I don't think it is at all. No, it's just not. It is not. All right. Thanks for the call, James. All right. You're welcome. Uh, Which riding do you live in, by the way? Do you know? Um, Ottawa. Um, (laughs) But which part of the city? Do you know which riding you're in? I live in South Keys area. Okay. So uh, that is Karen Howard is the PC candidate. She's running against John Fraser. John's a really nice guy. I like John. 
But he's yeah, with but the wrong party at the wrong time. And anybody who, who anybody who anybody who represents the liberal, it could be my blood. I would not vote for them. Yeah, they got to go. And yeah, like exactly. I like I've said many times, I like John, but um, yeah, he's on the wrong side here. So uh, Karen Howard, look her up. She is the local candidate. Thanks for the call. All right, you're welcome, Brad. Let's go to uh, who's next? Uh, well, we got two Daves. Uh, let's go with Line 5, Dave. Line 5, Dave, you're on Beyond the News. Hello, Line 5, Brian. Everything's okay, I hope. It's going well. I'm glad. So uh, let me ask you a question. As You seem to be a conservative expert professional in this city. And um, after the Kathleen Wynne stunt, you are a hero. As far as, like, you know, getting a liberal and then you still being a conservative, good job. So, Well, you, you know, you, that- you, live, you live under that system. It, it makes you realize it doesn't work. It's smart. I'm pretty young, so I don't. I only recently. I say, say I'm 25. I only became aware at 15, and it only really mattered until like a year ago. So forgive me for. Um, I didn't vote, so forgive me totally. Well, I, I hope you do this time. Okay, I will. So, if we hate Kathleen now, and we like Trudeau, but then we hated him eventually. I like. Uh, Mr. Ford, uh, RIP, and I like the new candidate. Although, I'm asking you, honestly, why do you think we'll eventually hate this man? Well, I don't think I will, unless he angers me. I I, I don't hate Stephen Harper, but the public can be fickle. And when it comes to Stephen Harper, I'll tell you, I talked to people that campaigned door-to-door in the 2011 campaign. And what they would tell you is that Stephen Harper was the number one asset for the Conservative Party of Canada at that time. People couldn't get enough of Stephen Harper. By 2015, in politics, anybody can overstay their welcome. He'd been prime minister almost a decade. Yeah, right. He he was also facing a united opposition with an awful lot of union money that was spreading lies about him. Now, when I say something negative about... a very powerful social media and internet movement. And it was funded by union money and money from the United States, primarily. Now, when I say something against Justin Trudeau, I, one, I try and not make it personal. I, I, I don't criticize him or his family. He appears to be a, a good family man, a, a husband, father. That's great. The only time I've criticized Sophie Trudeau is, um, well, okay, one, so one her singing, and, and two, when she came out and, and was defending the trip to India and blaming the staff for all those outfits. So I you've got to criticize people based on, on their policies. If I'm going to India, I'm going to try to dress like they do. And there was pictures in India of him in suits, with all due respect. But it wasn't as funny as him in a turban. Well, he, was wearing, he wore them too many times. Okay. He wore but the outfits too many times. Did you notice that he was basically snubbed by the Prime Minister and Sikhs kind of uh, took uh, happiness in what he was wearing? And, and, and the Prime Minister's against Sikhism, and, and it was a big deal that he was representing Sikhism, kind of, and that's maybe why he got snubbed. He got snubbed because he's too close to a Sikh separatist movement. Interesting, very interesting. Do, do, can you imagine uh, the reception? Let's say the Belgians showed up, and, uh, well, they did. And but did. let's say well, that they, they were snubbed because uh, they supported Quebec breaking away from Canada. Yeah, well, good That would not go over well in Canada. Now, they don't. They obviously don't because they're meeting with Quebec businessmen. But when Charles de Gaulle showed up, Justin's father showed Charles de Gaulle the door. Or, or was, no, it was Pearson back then. 
I don't know who the fellow is. Charles de Gaulle was the president of France, showed up in the late 60s and said, from the balcony of Montreal City Hall, beautiful spot if you haven't been there, he's on the balcony of Montreal City Hall, he'd been greeted as a hero, he was a war hero in the Second World War, and he stands there and he says, vive Quebec libre, vive a, a free Quebec, he right. called for. The Canadian government threw him out and said, don't come back. Well, well you know, it, we've got a prime minister, and he's not alone in Canadian politics, hanging out with Sikh separatists that have used violence to try and get their yeah. own homeland. Sir, sir, sir I'm, I'm going to okay, so we understand that. Why would Doug Ford scrap Patrick Brown's plan, especially if we're wasting taxpayer money? Like, did you say the carbon tax went towards that plan or something? Uh, he's, he's scrapping the carbon tax because it's a bad idea, and he oh. says you'll find the money elsewhere. Oh, smart. Okay. All right. I got, I got to run to more calls, Dave, but uh, call back in. Happy to have a discussion anytime. Good night, Brian. All right. Let's go to uh, Dave on line three. Dave on line three. The You're on Beyond Dave. the News. The other Dave. These are the Daves I know. I know. Yes, there's too many of us around. But the, listen, I just want to heartily say that... that uh, you're right about Kathleen and the lies, and it's, they've been saying for the past week now that they're going to be running a negative campaign. If you vote for them, you're going to lose this. You vote for them, you're going to lose that. That's all we're going to hear. We're not going to hear a vote for them we're going to do because they've had 15 darn years to do it, and they haven't done it yet, so why should they be doing it now? And, and, anybody, and, and they'll claim that's a positive campaign and not an attack campaign. To, uh, and anybody Dave. like Holly or even your previous caller, you know, he said he was young and he didn't know too much. I'm going to agree with him. Yes, he's young and he doesn't know too much. Um, come on, Brian. You know, he was saying, well, you know, I've seen people in India dressed like that, too. Well, you know, is, is, does, does uh, Trudeau wear a headdress every time he's going to meet a First Nations person? You know, if he's going to go down to uh, the deep south, is he, is he going to go blackface? I mean, come on, where's enough enough? I, I, I want to see him in a Belgian waffle outfit yeah, to meet know, the does, Belgian king. Does he, does, he, does he go to China and dress with one of those little Mao tongue hats on or something? Uh, you know, don't, it, don't give him ideas. No, I shouldn't. You know, the, the best thing that happened is for Doug Ford to win. And for somebody like Holly, she was just, you know, I hope people like her don't vote. I mean, I shouldn't you know, say that. They, we all have the right to vote. But maybe it'll just be too stormy for that day or something. I don't know. Yeah, if you don't like someone, you don't like someone. But try and inform why you want to vote for someone or not vote for someone off informed. of their policies. She was not informed. I mean, you disproved her on every point she made. about She didn't know who was liberal and who was conservative, for God's sakes. I, I could mean, spend half my day doing that, Dave. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> Listen, let's go team. Let's, let's get those other ones out of there. All right, thanks for the call, Dave. Uh, back with more of your calls, 521-TALK, 521-8255. I'm Brian Lilly, running an educational service tonight. This is Beyond the News. Insurgent. Believe it. The resistance is here. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. Uh, I, I'm being bombarded by liberals on Twitter saying it's not Justin Trudeau's job to greet foreign dignitaries. That's the governor general's job. I'll reply to that if we have time after these calls. George in the prior. 
You're on Beyond the News. I have a good, difficult question for you here. All right, go. Okay, you, you mentioned Ford about uh, drugs and then uh, Catherine Wynn about marijuana and that stuff, right? Yeah. Okay, a father goes down the street, finally finds out his son is doing marijuana and decides to beat him to death, and somebody interferes and stops him. What should happen to the father? He's beat his son to death? No, would try to beat his son to death when he just finds out well, he's doing what should happen to the father. He should be going to jail. Why? Why? Because it's he assault. he wants to get his son out of the drugs, should he be going to jail for that? You can't beat people, George. Bottom line. Well, then what does he do to get him out of drugs? You know, you know they, won't, they won't get out of it. Uh, oh, okay, George, get to a sane point, please. That is, that is the point I want to know. I want to know... What happens with these George, people? you know what the law is. You can't beat people within an inch of their life, or you face charges and go to jail. Yeah, so what do you do then? If you Marijuana is about to be legal whether you yeah. like it or I like it. Yeah, because and there's a lot of people out there who aren't going to like it, eh? Uh, okay, and uh, don't vote liberal in the next election. So then it was happens? Justin Trudeau that brought it in, not me, not anybody else. So what happens when somebody brings marijuana into your apartment building and you're allergic to the stuff? And you could die from it. Okay, I've never heard of anyone being allergic to marijuana. Yeah. Okay. So what do you do? You well, it looks like it. they're it looks like they're going to ban it in multi multi unit dwellings yeah. in Ontario, but we'll see. Because there's a lot of things connected with the things they're doing these days, and people are just angry about everything now because they they, they have no way to stop the people from doing it to them. Eh? Uh, okay, but what does this have to do with Doug Ford? Well, Doug Ford is going to have to realize that the country's changed under this liberal. Uh, uh, crucifixion of the country. Uh, it's There's a lot of anger out there, more than he can even imagine. And that might be why he gets elected. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the call. You might. Let's go to Hussein calling in uh, about Justin Trudeau. Hussein, you're on Beyond the News. Yeah. Hey, I'm so glad you're cleaning up, cleaning up some ignorance out there. Well, you know, you do what you can. Yeah. And I just want to say that young caller there is AD. I guess people dress up like that in India. Uh, uh, that's not what the uh, local Indians were saying. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, your young caller, I guess he knew of that much, right? Yeah. But how would Sophie uh, Trudeau dress up if she goes to Saudi Arabia? You know, it was interesting to see Jared Kushner and his wife Ivanka Trump show up in Saudi. Yeah, but they never dress, dressed up in that old black nope. uh, outfit. That I'm, not, I'm not even sure that Ivanka covered her arms or her hair. I yeah. think she dressed the way she normally dresses when she showed up at the palace. Yeah, I I thought you should you should show up for what you are, not like shade uh, your skin like a snake kind of thing. You know, be who you are. Don't. Uh, it, it, it's fine to show respect for another country, another culture if you're visiting, but you know, we're being told you can't dress up in a Halloween costume now because it's cultural appropriation. And then Trudeau takes his tickle trunk and goes to it, uh, India. It, it was truly bizarre, Hussein. Yeah, but I, I, I hope uh, people around Doug Ford don't uh, screw, scream up like the last guy was there. Yeah, I, There's some good people around Doug. We'll see. I, I, I always caveat that campaigns matter and things can change. But yeah. uh, if things stay as they are now, then Doug Ford will be premier yeah. on June 8th. Yeah, because so far he's, he's, he's positive, but uh, you never know. They may slip in something, and he may say the wrong thing, and then you have the liberal media spin that around. Yeah, well, Kathleen Wynne can lie every day and 
that's fine. Doug Ford says one wrong thing, and he'll be taking a task for weeks. Thanks for the call, Hussein. All right. Thank you, man. All right. Uh, getting these people coming at me that are liberal trolls on Twitter. And, and by the way, Philip Blato says he's listened to CFRA every day for 30 years, and he's never met a conservative with a heart. You hurt me, Philip. You really do. Uh, but I'm being told that I, I, I'm making something out of nothing with criticizing Trudeau for skipping out on meeting with the Belgian royals. He was supposed to be on vacation in Florida. He just got back from vacation. He was going on another. Now he's on this made-up tour of ridings that vote liberal. This is about votes, nothing else. But as for the claim by the liberal trolls that the prime minister never meets visiting foreign dignitaries, prime ministers, presidents, and so on, I can tell you that I have been to many of these events, whether it be royalty, a president, a prime minister, I have been to many of them over the years under liberals and conservatives. And I could go through Justin Trudeau's itinerary, his daily schedule, and point to all the times that he has done it himself. He chose not to this time because he doesn't see votes with Belgians. But they're taking this visit seriously. It's not just the king and queen. They brought 100 business leaders from a country that we're entering into a free trade agreement with. They brought academics because they're hoping to sign memorandums of understanding with Canadian universities. He doesn't even have time for a 15-minute meeting because he's got to run to the next steel mill for a photo op to try and make sure that he wins the election. Just like going to India for eight days was about getting all the right photo ops so we could win the election with the Sikh vote, with the Indian vote in the next election. That's what that entire trip was about. That's what this entire steel and aluminum tour is about. That's what everything this man does is about. I'm Brian Lilly. This has been Beyond the News. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can uh, check out everything I'm writing and posting at brianlilly.com. Back at it again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Remember, I'm on your side.